Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7. That's me trying to figure out what I ought to do, so there I did it. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7. We're going to talk tonight about the tribulation period and us avoiding the tribulation period. We won't be going through the tribulation period if we are born again believers in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to just show you a couple of verses real quickly about the tribulation period again uh, that we looked at last week, and then we're going to go to Revelation in just two verses, and then we'll talk about us missing it. But you need to know why we want to miss it. So it's the time of Jacob's trouble. You remember Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. And we will later, as we go through some end time things, get back to he shall be saved out of it. Israel is coming back, and she is coming back strong and powerful. God is going to do great things with her. But in verse 7, you should have underlined, I hope you've already done it, that that day is great so that none is like it. No other day like it. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21, which we also looked at, the Bible says, Jesus speaking about the same time, using a different term for it, the great tribulation. He said, then shall be great tribulation. And then he almost uses the same phraseology as the old uh, Jeremiah. He said, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be so there's a horrible time of judgment coming on the earth and God is going to punish horribly this planet and let me show you just two verses I think are just interesting because I think sometimes you don't realize how bad it's going to be men are going to be praying to die and can't they're going to try to hide in rocks and under rocks and in caves because they are afraid of God. Things are going to get pretty bad. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. Excuse me, Revelation 6 and verse 8. My brain's stuck there. I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them to the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death. And with the beasts of the field. I'd be driving through. I'd keep a prue sometimes at night. And you'd never believe this unless you've been to some foreign countries. But there'd be like 50 dogs in a pack running down the road. And I'd be like, what in the world? And then I'd think, someday's coming when he will kill with the beasts of the earth. Can you imagine 50 dogs let loose to get people? That'd be a pretty horrible sight. You understand what's going to happen? One-fourth of the people will be killed. It'll be from war, sword. It'll be from hunger, famine. It'll be dying, COVID, whatever is going on. And it will be with the beast of the earth. So 8 million people, 8 billion people, 2 billion die. You've heard stories of them in Bolivia and other places, just putting bodies out on the sidewalk waiting for somebody to come get them because they were beginning to stink and they couldn't get rid of them. Just imagine the great tribulation, a day such as no one has ever seen before, a time more horrible than anything we can imagine. I just picked these two verses just so you'd see. 
So if you had $8 billion, and I'm just using that because that makes for a good, easy thing for me to work, and you took a fourth, $2 billion would be dead. Now go to verse 15 in chapter 9, Revelation 9, 15. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of men. So you had $8 billion, cut to $6 billion, and two more billion is a third. They're all gone. And we've left out tons of verses. The world's population will go down to way under half in less than seven years. It is going to be horrendous. The Bible's full of all these stories. I told you last week, 70 times it talks about the day of the Lord and what's going to happen. God's tired of human beings shaking their fists in his face and saying to him, uh, we, the heathen are raging, and they're upset. They don't like what's going on, and they're saying to God they're not going to listen to him. And then they even say stuff like, if you were really real, why don't you come kill me? And then grace and mercy has waited patiently for them to get saved. They have not gotten saved. There's a day coming when he will take us out of here, take us to heaven in what we call the rapture. Would you go in your Bible with me to First Thessalonians chapter 4? The word rapture is not in the Bible. Nor is the word Trinity. The truth is there. First Thessalonians chapter four, if you would, and look with me. First Thessalonians chapter four, and look down with me at verse uh, thirteen. The Thessalonican church was concerned. Paul had spoken about Jesus coming, and he said he was coming very soon. So they thought that meant like tomorrow or the next day. And in the Thessalonican church, they'd gone so far as to stop working and start waiting. And so they were sitting on the side of the hill, almost like with a picnic basket, if you can imagine it, saying, he'll be here any minute. Let's just be ready for him to come. Paul had to write to him and say, look, guys, go to work. Get busy. Work. And if you don't work, you don't get to eat. And Paul had had to fuss at them because they had misunderstood what he was saying. And some of them died. And they were like, why did my mother die? Why did my brother die? Why did my friend die? Why did my husband die? He was waiting for the coming of the Lord, and he didn't get to. And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he says, don't worry. The fact that they die before I come and get them doesn't hinder anything. Read with me if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, he says I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those that have died. I don't want y'all to not know what's going to happen. Ignorant, there's not an insulting word. It's like you just hadn't been taught yet. You haven't been discipled yet. You haven't learned yet. You're ignorant of what's the truth. And he says, concerning them which are asleep, I don't want you to sorrow that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You're going to sorrow. It's going to hurt you that they're gone. But you have hope that lost people don't have. You know what the Word of God says. You know that when we die... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know that. You know that Paul said it was much better to go ahead and go be with the Lord. Look what he says in verse 14. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's a beautiful verse. You think about it and look at what it says and just meditate on it a second. How do you bring them with you if they ain't with you? How do you bring them with you if they ain't with you? You know, if you know how to use English grammar, 
You don't say, I'll bring him with me when it means that he's not with you. And so what happened? When my loved ones died and your loved ones died and other believers died, they went to heaven. After Jesus died, was buried and rose again and took captivity captive, Ephesians chapter 4, and took it on high. Now, now saved people die and go immediately to the presence of God. To be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. And so your loved one is right now at, in heaven with the Lord. That ought to give you comfort. You don't, you don't sorrow like others sorrow. You do sorrow. It would be ridiculous to say we shouldn't sorrow. John eleven thirty five 35 says Jesus wept. So it's okay. You can weep. Jesus wept. But you don't sorrow like others. Why not? Because you know where they are, and you know that when he comes, he'll bring them with him. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, shall not go before them which are asleep. You want to hear a wild one? Even if they're six feet under, you don't get a head start. If you're six feet under, you still don't get a head start. Because he said, hey, I'm not leaving them out. I'm not telling them they don't get to enjoy all of this. I'm not telling them they don't get to be involved in, my, in, in Jesus' is coming when, they, when he comes. Now look, if you would, at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead, and Christ shall rise first. Now here comes our rapture verse, and you can write the word rapture beside verse 17. It says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, circle caught up, and write rapture. That's just a Latin word for what you got right here, and caught up. So all of a sudden, he's going to blow the horn, and the angel's going to speak, and, and all of a sudden, he's just going to snatch us out of here. Look in verse 17. And this is a different coming than his second coming. In his second coming, he comes all the way to the earth. His feet touch the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives splits in half, and there's a great valley spread between these two halves. This time, he comes in the clouds. So he said, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So he comes down in a cloud, stops up there in the sky somewhere, blows the trumpet, has the angel sound, and snatches us out of him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort each other with that. Comfort each other with that. Brother Dorsey's wife died. I've been married 47 years. I can only imagine how horrible it would be. Uh, the guys that work the closest to me say that if Betty dies, they're going to push me off a bridge or something because I'll be worthless. And I say push because I would be. But you know what? He doesn't have to sorrow like others because he knows where she is. He knows he'll bring him with him, and he knows he'll snatch him up, snatch us up, and he knows he'll change all of our bodies. In First Corinthians 15, like verse 51, he is going to change us, our vile body, our human body, into that heavenly body. So a question always comes up, and there's big arguments about it. Will we go through the tribulation period? Will we be a part of all this wrath of God that comes on the earth? I know I didn't put this in any notes you got back here, Brother Brett, but how about John 3.36? Look at John 3.36. When you believe, when you believe, you are, you, are, you are in the Lord. When you believe, you have eternal life. John 3.36, look at it. It's right here behind me. Look at it in your Bible. He that believes on the Son has right now everlasting life. 
When you got saved, you were given everlasting life. You know what that means? This is a real deep Bible study. It's ever, always, ever, lasting, lasting. It's what's deep in it? It's everlasting. That means it quits. It doesn't quit lasting. Amen. And so I have everlasting life. I have eternal life. I have forever life. But look at verse 36. He that believes not the Son shall not see life. Look at that. If he doesn't believe the Son, if he doesn't trust Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross of Calvary, if he doesn't know him, if he's not saved, if he's not born again, he shall not see life. Jesus said that his children would never die. Did you know, from a biblical point of view, when a Christian dies, you call it dying, he calls it living. Because when we die, we close our eyes, we shut this house down, and we move into another house in the presence of Almighty God. And that's that's what's going on. So, the wrath of God abides on non-believers. Look at the verse. The wrath of God abides on the ones that won't accept Jesus. Now, take your Bibles and go with me. I'm sure I'll stir up some stuff. There are people that are pre-tribulational. That's who I am. There are, there are Christians that are post-tribulational, which is the opposite of what I am. I don't think the Bible teaches it. I'm going to sh- try to prove that to you. There are people that are mid-tribulational, and then there's real smart people that said we don't like to be called mid. We just like to be called pre-wrath. But if they'd read Revelation 6, they'd find out the wrath starts up real quick. And so that's not really a very viable one, I think. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 with me. We are waiting for Jesus to come and get us. He has delivered us from the wrath to come. When he writes to the Thessalonican church, he doesn't say to them, now listen to me, I'm going to read the verse for you in a minute. Are y'all with me? And just like I'll read you the verse, but when, when he talks to that church, he doesn't say to them, brace yourselves, you're fixing to go through hell on earth. And when you get through it, I'll get you out of here. Instead of that, this is what, <clears throat> who wrote this book? Who said Holy Spirit? That's the right answer, amen? Now, what pencil did he use? What ink pen was he using? Paul. But we know this, we don't, we don't hold this. There's a famous preacher in this area that talks about how don't say the word of God says and don't say God says, say what well, Paul said. Well, that takes all the authority away from it. I'll never say Paul said. I'll tell you who said it. That's the Holy Spirit of God speaking when he used the apostle Paul. But look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You were serving idols. You were serving false gods. And you turned from that false religion and those false gods to serve the living and the true God. And guess what else you decided to do? To wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, we all know he delivered us from hell, so if you want to say to me, y'all, well, brother, we're not going to hell. But he said, here, I got wrath coming, and I've delivered you from that. The tribulation period is a time of wrath like we have never seen before. You could take this pandemic, you can multiply it by 1,000 or 10,000, and you won't reach what that talks about. Look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. 
The tribulation is his wrath. It's not just speaking of hell, it's his wrath. Look in Revelation 6 15. And the kings of the earth, today we'd say the presidents and the chairman and the leaders of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every slave, bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. We should underline this, wrath of the Lamb. It's not wrath of the lion. It's wrath. He is the lion of Judah. He is, the, but he is also the lamb. And you know, he's angry. You didn't trust him. You didn't believe in him. You didn't turn to him. Look at verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? That's not talking about hell. That's talking about a time right here on earth. Right here on earth. When God Almighty is going to unleash horrible, horrendous things that will happen all across this earth. And we're not hiding, we're waiting. We're not hiding, we're waiting, and we're looking for his coming. Things are very different for us. Look in your Bible at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now look here a second. Now listen, they went to church and they listened to the Bible be taught and the apostle Paul preached to them. He explained to them that they would, if they didn't know Jesus, if they hadn't trusted Christ, they would suffer the wrath of God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible said there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible said the wages of sin is death and all of that's going on and they know that. And then they know that Jesus died for them and that they can be saved. And they've gotten saved. And then Paul's explained it all to him. They already knew about tribulation coming, trouble and trials that were going to go on. They already knew about all of that. They already knew about Jesus coming. But somebody wrote a letter to these Thessalonians. And they acted like Paul. They pretended to be Paul and said Jesus was coming real quickly. They got them all confused. So he writes to him, 1 Thessalonians, that's 2 Thessalonians mostly. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you don't need me to write you. You know what's going on. Verse 2, you know perfectly. You have been taught, you've understood perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. I'm going to show you something just uh, briefly right here before we go on a little bit further. Did you know that you'll be able to tell when the second coming is going to happen almost down to the day? It's written between Revelation 6 and Revelation 19. This happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and then this happens. There's plenty of signs about the second coming. There's no signs about the rapture. We're going to be sitting here. That's why we call what we call the imminent return of Christ. No warning. Nothing set up to tell you he's coming. Like when you look around right now and you say, all oh, this coronavirus, he's coming. Ah, that kind of junk's been going on a long time. You say, all oh, this stuff is going on in politics. I believe you'll be here tomorrow. Well, I'm glad you do because you should have thought that 50 years ago. Well, some of you, 20 years ago. But you should, or we ought to be thinking that all the time. He said, they knew about the day of the Lord, and they knew it would surprise them. They knew it would surprise them. I won't get to it tonight. <laughs> It'll be next Sunday night. But did you know that in Daniel chapter 9, he will describe when Jesus will die almost to the 
day, but definitely to the year. He just laid it out. There's nothing surprising God. God's not up in heaven going, I wonder what's going to happen next. God's up in heaven saying, I'm still in charge. I'm still in charge. I'm still God. And so he said, y'all know the Bible. I taught you the Bible. I'm writing you this letter. Look at verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety. When that old Antichrist steps up and says peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now, that's interesting to me. You know, my wife was like dying because the babies were going to come. I mean, it's just a half a century, a half a century ago. But, you know, she's going to have that first baby. And, you know, they get that nesting thing right there at the last. And I'll get to feeling real good. Like, I, I could conquer the world. And then, boom, time to go. When joy was about to come, she started crying. And she said, I don't want to do this. And I said, a little late for that. I said, but pain endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. And she did. Look at this. Sudden destruction as to travail with a woman. They, they shall not escape. Verse 3. But you, brethren. Look at your Bible. They won't escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of light. And the children of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. He makes it real clear. There's two groups on the planet, them and us. There's two groups on the planet, saved and lost. There's two families on the planet, those that are born again and have the Father of God in heaven and those who are not born again and are of their father, the devil, the father of all lies. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, if you would. God has not appointed us to wrath. Underline that verse. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Comfort yourselves together. Wherefore, when you understand that that wrath's coming on those God rejectors, Jesus haters, Bible haters, and all the junk that's going on, people that choose sin over Jesus, wrath is coming here and there. But y'all don't want, that's not for you. Comfort yourselves. That's for them. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. First of all, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Go with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. This will be the last verse about us missing that tribulation period, but you read that with me. Revelation 3.10. There are seven churches mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3. And uh, one of those churches is an extremely good church. Some of those churches are maybe maybe early uh, church history churches, whatever. Uh, they, but they've left their first love. But there's one church that's small and weak. But there's a door set before them that's open for them to do ministry. And no man could close it. And God had not one negative thing to say to them because they were faithful to him. Read that. That's the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. Now, Revelation 3.10. You have kept the word of my patience because thou hast kept the word of my patience. You have done what I said. You've endured whatever has gone on. You've hung in there. I also will keep thee 
from the hour of temptation. I'm fixing to come on this earth, but you know, you stood by me and now I'm standing by you. Look at that. Which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Well, we don't dwell on the earth. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're, a, we're, a, we're a pilgrims. We're pilgrims and strangers. We're foreigners. You want to hear a wild one? All of you don't belong on this planet. Everybody thinks you're weird. You might as well have two heads. You give your money. You come to church. You read an old book, and you study it. They all think there's something weird with you. And Jesus knew that's exactly what they think. He said, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They don't like us. But then we don't belong here. And I lived in Arequipa. Here I am, the white guy and a, a whole bunch of brown people. And Europeans would come walking down the street. And we'd look across the road, and the guys would say, Europeans. And I said, how you know they're Europeans? They could be Americans. They said, nah, they're Europeans. They don't bathe. They got a backpack. They've been walking around South America for weeks. They're Europeans. They could spot them. The world can spot us. They spot us. They notice there's something different about us. They notice we've chosen to love our wife, love our husband, hold a family together. We're not gender confused. We're just steady as a rock on what the book says. Say amen right there. He's talking to the church of Philadelphia. They kept his word. He will keep them. That's the end of the church age, and it's coming. Now, I've got four minutes here before I'll quit for you. But I want you to know how you're supposed to take all that. Did you know that a born-again believer is supposed to live in expectancy? A, a, a believer is supposed to live ready to move. My wife in her Bible reading, I love coming through my house and going through the living room, and there my wife is with her Bible open, and nobody's in there but her and Jesus. And I walk through and see her reading the Bible. So the other day she said, I found a verse that says you can eat your food fast. I said, Okay. Because we got some people down here, buddy. Now, if you go with Wayne Cook, it takes him a year to eat a normal man's meal. But there's another guy in our church whose name I refuse to mention so I don't incriminate him. But he can eat a full meal and be done in about four minutes. I mean, you sit down, you're like, you're not going to eat? He said, well, I finished. For real. Did you know that the Jews were waiting on the Passover and waiting on being taken out of Egypt? And he said, stand up, eat, and be ready to leave quick. So he didn't hurry. So he said, there you go. You can tell them they can eat in a hurry, amen? You know, we're supposed to be like that. You ought to be realizing right now, this world's not your home. You are leaving. You ought to live in a, st a state of expectancy. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, only my Father knows. But you know how people are living? Just like in the days of Noah, verse 37, Matthew 24, 37, just like in the days of Noah, verse 38, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, partying and acting like Jesus is never going to come until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They knew not until the flood came. So also, verse 41, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Got a lot of the verses I can share with you, but right now, just, can I just say this to you? About 2,000 years ago, it had been clearly stated that Jesus was coming that first time. 
Fact is, when uh, the three, what we call wise men, made it to the false king and said, we've come to worship the king. That star led us here. And then the king Herod says, now, do you guys that study the Bible, you scribes, y'all know about that? They said, yeah, we do. We even know where he's going to be born. We can show you right now. Book of Micah. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. They knew. And you know. But they were shocked that he came. They were surprised that he came. And I'm afraid many of us will be surprised that he comes. He could come tonight. He could come tonight and take us home. It could all be over right now. We'll be We'll be snatched out of here, caught up together with him in the clouds. And you're thinking, no, I've got a lot of life to live. I'm not looking for Jesus. Biblically, you watch for 120 years. Oh, Noah, the preacher of righteousness, had preached to them and told them they knew about the flood. They'd heard old Noah. They laughed at Noah. Like some of you that haven't trusted Christ, you might mock an old preacher like me. You might mock an old book like the Bible I preach from. You might say, I don't believe in all that Jesus stuff, and I don't believe he's coming back. But when the flood came, it was too late to believe, and they were lost. Jesus is coming soon. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. Now, let me explain quickly what that means. That means this. The Bible says all have sinned. There's not a person on the planet that hasn't sinned. All have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, not one good person on the planet, not one, not one, not one good person on the planet. The Bible says that because you sinned, you earn death and hell. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But then it goes on to say, but God has a gift if you'd like to just take what he offers you. The gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, he offers you a gift. The Bible says that God commended, God proved, God showed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you can be saved. You came tonight, somebody invited you. They love you enough to bring you here to hear the truth. You don't want to go home without knowing Jesus. You do not want to go home without putting your faith in Christ. You do not want to go home living like you've been living. You want to realize, I need Jesus. I need salvation. The person that brought you wants to talk to you. They'd like to sit down with you and take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Why don't you show just a little bit of interest tonight? Why don't you trust Christ as your Savior so you can go to heaven, so you can know for sure your sins are forgiven, so you can know that things are right between you and God? Let's bow our heads forward in prayer. Father in heaven, I love you, and I praise you, and I magnify you. I pray, God, that you do a work here in our church. I pray, God, you'd save some friends that are here tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd show them their sin, make them see their need. I pray, God, you'd help them realize that without you, they will suffer the consequences of all their sin. Save people tonight. God, I'd like to ask you to touch Christians' hearts that live like in the days of Noah, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, partying and working and making money and never thinking about the world to come. God, help us as a church to be ready for Jesus, for you to come and get us. God, save those that aren't saved and help Christians to make a decision tonight. 